Sometimes on Mother's Day we do um, a special Mother's Day sermon. Sometimes we just continue the series we go through. I'd like to do something yet again different this morning. And, and this goes back to a couple years ago. I asked moms and dads in the church, what is your greatest desire for your children? And I, and I talked about the mom's desires for their children on Mother's Day and the dad's desire for their children on Father's Day. I don't know if you remember that. But the number one desire of both moms and dads, far and away, every respondent said, is I pray my child loves God. I pray my child walks with God. And in this year, our theme for the year, and, and so many of the topics we're covering have to do with how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving God, and then love your neighbor as yourself, loving others. And so what I'd like to do for Mother's and Father's Day this year is rather than be specific to moms and dads, to talk about family and to talk about, okay, if that's the desire of moms and dads, how do we come together and as families help our children and help our homes love God? And how do we help our homes love others? And so I'm hoping that this is a practical time, maybe some things that, that we're already aware of. For some of the things today, it was just good reminders like, yeah, I know I should be doing that, but I haven't in a week or two. <laughs> and so it's just good reminders of how do we help our kids love God. I, I am blessed with parents who were dedicated and committed to helping me love God and helping me love others. I can remember um, one time in high school, I, I was driving a friend home and I had their car. And you guys know the story, I hope. So, yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> I had their car and taking a friend home and and I'm driving along, minding my own business and this brick wall jumps out and hits the whole side of mom's car. Just tears up the whole side. Door won't even open. My friend is climbing out my side. (laughs) He says, you know what? I'll walk from here. We were close to his home. And um, I can remember the 20 minute drive home and I am shaking in my boots because I have to go tell mom, I destroyed your car. And I knew dad was home too. <laughs> and I pull in the, the, the driveway, pull in the garage, and go in the house. And it's on the, it's on the passenger side. So part of me is thinking, I could just not say anything. <laughs> and then the, the better part of me said, they'll know in the morning. Um, <laughs> and, and so I go in, and I, I open the door, and they're sitting there. And I say, Mom, Dad, um, I, I tore up the car. And, I, you know, you just sort of wait for it. And it, it's coming. This is Mom's car. And Dad takes care of Mom's car. And I remember Dad gets up and walks over to me, which can be scary. Um, I'm like, oh, no. He says, son, let's go out in the garage. And, and as we're starting to walk, Mom looks at me and says, are you Okay. You're okay. Like, yeah, I'm okay. And she's just concerned about me. Like, like she cares about me more than the car. And she showed that. Dad walks over to the other side of the car and puts his arm around me. And said, son, these things happen. He told me a story of an accident he was in. And he said, but as a, as a godly man, you're going to take responsibility for it. And for the next few weeks, I had to go with mom to the rental car and fill out all the paperwork and go with her to the insurance and go to the car repair place. And and dad came along, but I had to be part of it because they were teaching me and training me how to be a responsible, godly young man. 
And I remember in the course of the next couple of weeks, a lot of time with mom as we went to all these places, and she was never mad. She, she never was angry. Well, at least not that she showed me. Um, <laughs> and she, one of, one of the favorite phrases she said that I often remember, she goes, okay, son, what can you learn from this? Can't change that it happened, so what can you learn from this? And she stepped me through what to learn. And, and, and it just was, was powerful to me that at that moment they chose to teach rather than yell. They chose to, to train rather than be angry. And I still remember that today and I still appreciate that to, to this day, that they chose a different path than sometimes I wonder that if I would choose, if it was my kids. So today we want to come with how do you do that? How do you train and how do you teach your kids? In that case, that was practical things about an accident and a car accident, but they were teaching me how to live for God. Make no mistake, they were teaching me an attitude. They were teaching me to love others before stuff. They were teaching me how to, to um, be responsible and, and be a godly man. And so today I want to talk about that. And, and before, before half of you check out that don't have kids anymore, this is still for you today. Some of you are in junior high, high school, college, not married yet. You may very well be married someday. And you may very well have little ones running and holding your legs while you fall down and, and have all that joy of parenthood. Now's the time to start preparing your life for how are you going to train young people? How are you going to train your family to walk with God? Some of you have um, been through the journey. Your kids have left home or are leaving home. And parenting doesn't stop, right? Many of you that have have kids that have left home have come to me and said, you know what, I thought I was done. And you're not because you're still mom. You're still dad. You're still training them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some of you don't have kids and we need you. My kids need you. Other kids in this church need you to come together and to mentor and to train. And I've been so appreciated by, or so appreciative of people that have, have taken my kids aside and, and invested in them and spent some time with them, even if they had no kids of their own, just loved on them. And that's part of training them to love God and love others. And so today in Father's Day, and, and maybe one or two after that, depending on how far we get, I want to talk about how do we create a home where we are training our kids to love God and love others. Because here's the thing, and I was sharing this with the elders this morning, so many times we we lose intentionality. We just expect this to happen. I'm a Christian. I come to church on Sundays. I serve occasionally. I even serve in Awana. They'll get it. But the thing is, is if we're not intentional about what they are being trained, about what they are getting, the world will be. And coming Sunday morning isn't enough to train your kids to walk with God. Let's just get rid of that myth right now. This isn't enough. I don't care how good the children's teachers are. I don't care how exciting their lessons are. This is not enough to have young people walk with God. It takes intentionality in the home. And so we want to look at that. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, a familiar passage. Deuteronomy 6, and we want to talk about how to love God in our homes today. It's the passage I read for Zach and Sarah this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a black one under a chair somewhere around you, just in one of those racks. 
please feel free to open that and, and follow along. If you don't have one at home, please take that. That's our gift to you. We want you to have God's word. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to read that whole section again, and then we'll break it, break it into two parts this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And you probably, as we were talking, especially if you have kids, probably focused in on verse 7. Because that's really the, the center point of this. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. We're like, yeah, that's the goal. We want to raise godly kids. You guys want to raise godly kids? Yeah, that's why you were up here this morning. I want to raise godly kids. We, I think all of us as parents want to. And, and so that verse resonates. Okay, that's how we do it. But that's not the beginning of the passage. And that's sometimes where we start. What do I have to do to get my kids to turn out right? What's interesting is that's not the beginning of the passage. It starts at verse 4. And so point number one, and, and this may seem like an obvious point, but we've got to get it in our heads and we've got to put this into practice. A God loving home starts with parents passionately devoted to loving God. A God-loving home starts with parents passionately devoted to loving God. So in verse 7, he's going to go to the family. He's going to go to the kids. But, but read verses 4 through 6 again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It starts with who he is and that he alone is to be worshipped. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Catch where he starts? He says, Mom and Dad, it starts with your heart. It starts with your passion for God. Where are your affections? Where are your desires? And so when we think of a home, we've got to start with ourselves. If I want godly kids, my first focus, even more important than the time that I spend training them, is am I spending time loving God? Am I spending time in the Word? Am I spending time in prayer? See, the idea of love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, your strength, and Jesus adds with all your mind, is this wholehearted devotion for God. That pretty much covers who we are, right? Every part of us is to be sold out for God. What happens when we hold back apart from God? What happens if I say, you know, I'm going to love God in this area and this area, but I really like this sin. And we think, oh, that's not hurting anyone. But think of it in terms of family, which is the context of this passage. Your kids know your hypocrisy. I will shudder a little bit when I I say that. My kids know my hypocrisy. And that's not the end of the world because through confession and, and through repentance, we can show them how to deal with failure. But the idea here is I need to be loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength a single-minded love. In fact, a love that leads to obedience to where they see the reason why we're obeying God, when they see the heart of obeying God. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he goes to the commands. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Our kids know what we love, don't they? I I love the story of a a little third grade boy and his teacher said, I'd like you to, you know, they're talking about baseball and cars and boats and things. And he said, I'd like you to draw something that your dad loves. And one little boy, she's walking around and she sees all these things, you know, that we would normally think a car. And and one little boy has a a picture of a woman. And she goes, why did you put that? She goes, my dad loves my mom. He loves her a lot. Wouldn't it be great, moms and dads, if our kids knew that we loved God that much? If when we said, asked a child, who, do, who does your parents love? Who does your mom love? Who does your dad love? That they'd be able to right away say, oh, they love God more than anything else. That's the kind of things that impress on them a passion for God, a love for God. When we think about our actions, you know, one of the self-checks that we have is, is what we're motivated to do usually reflects what we love. What we're motivated to do usually reflects what we love. You know, if, if there's no one else at the table, I don't even know if I should say this. <laughs> if there's no one else at the table and there's the main dish and there's the vegetables, I don't know that I choose the vegetables. I choose the main dish because it's what I love, especially if it's something that I love. Now, when the kids are there and and I know I need to be a good example, I'm taking the veggies and eating them and smiling and saying, oh, they're wonderful. And But when it comes down to it, when nothing, when everything else is stripped away, what we choose to do usually reflects what we love. So think about that in life. Think about that as we go through each day. What are we choosing to do? What are we thinking about? What are we dreaming about? It reflects our love. We need to be working. If we're to build godly homes, if we're to love God in our homes and teach our children to do that, are we building more and more of a love for God every day? Now, that, that's great. We can say, yes, we should be. Absolutely. But the question that often comes up is, how do we do that? And I think thinking of a marriage relationship, thinking of a friendship can help us understand that. If I want to build my love for Susie and I want to build our relationship, that means I'm not going to talk to her for a month and I'm never going to see her. No, that's ridiculous. That builds nothing. If I love my wife and want to build time with my, build a relationship with her, I'm going to spend time with her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time we enjoy together. Yeah, there's things we have to do as well, but we're going to enjoy some time together. We're going to talk. I'm going to listen. That's how we build relationships. The same is true of God. This isn't rocket science. We need to spend time in the Word. That's His Word to us. If we're not spending time in the Word, just personalize, if I'm not spending time in the Word, and if I'm not spending time in prayer, my chances of building a godly home go way down. That makes sense? This isn't new, is it? But we struggle to put this into practice. Moms and dads, treat this as important. Dedicate time to loving God, to being in relationship with Him. Worship, sing. That's one of the ways that our kids see our love for God is they're watching you. They were watching you this morning whether you were singing or not. 
whether you're worshiping or not, whether the words to those songs meant something. That's one of the ways we show our kids a love for God. Do I recognize in my life how God is at work? You know, when I go through every day, am I a Sunday morning Christian, just just partitioning my God into that little square of my waffle? Or am I realizing God is around me every day and he's, he's working around me every day? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, another question for how do I develop a, a passionate love for God, the, the question I can ask myself is, do I love God more than my family? That's a hard question to ask because I love my family. I die for my family. I can see them. But do I love God more? And my kids need to know that I love God more than them. They need to know that I love God more than their mommy. But I really love their mommy too. And they need to see that passionate love for God in my heart. Building a passionate love for God, starting with it in my heart, means living His character every day. It means honesty, integrity, dependability, faithfulness, truth, love, the fruit of the Spirit. You want to have godly kids? Build a godly home that are difference makers for God? Start on your knees with your Bible open. Don't neglect the personal disciplines. See, one of the the interesting things is that passion breeds passion. And apathy breeds apathy. And so if if I'm apathetic in my walk with God and just coasting and getting through, my kids are probably going to be apathetic and then walk away from God because they think of it as hypocrisy. But if I'm passionate for God and they see that and they see me excited about what God is doing and if they see Susie excited about what God is doing and we can look at just different events in the day and wow, did you see God do that? That builds a passion in them. Passion breeds passion. It's contagious. Think about this. How many of you like the same sports teams? Talk to men for a minute. How many of you like the same sports teams that your family did growing up? Yeah, a lot of you. AJ, what happens if you don't root for the Red Wings? <laughs> passion breeds passion. And you're passionate about the Red Wings. Your dad is passionate about the Red Wings. And I know it's not always the case, but that happens. I was sitting at a Dodger game with Mark. I think I've told this story before. And, and, and um, the, the family in front of us was all Dodger fans, a, a dad and his teenage sons. And Mark just jokingly said, go San Francisco Giants who are the evil ones <laughs> to Dodger fans. And the boys in front of me turned around and looked at him and said, wow, if I had said that, I would have been kicked out of the house for a few days. <laughs> and Mark's like, I was just kidding. <laughs> and, um, passion breeds passion. We know that in sports. The same is true of our walk with God. It's why God, as he's having Moses write this, says, you want to teach your kids to walk with God? Then you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then you take these commands and put them on your heart. Because if you don't love God, your kids don't have a chance other than the miracle of the Holy Spirit. Get excited about spiritual things. See, your children's view of walking with God is going to come from you. 
Think about that. Your children's view of walking with God is going to come from you. Now, when I hear that, I, I do get scared because I can tell you all kinds of regrets that I already have. I can tell you times that I've gotten angry when I shouldn't have or I haven't done something and, and intervened when I should have. And, and I, 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 I think about that and I look at the examples in Scripture and I think, have I already ruined my kids? But praise God, it's His grace that covers it all. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Moms and dads, you're going to blow it. But then we go back and we apologize and we confess and we model for our kids what it means to be repentant. And then we're modeling a true view of what it means to walk with God. Your kids need to see you practicing the spiritual disciplines. They need to see you on your knees in prayer. They need to see you reading the Word. They need to see you exercising a faith in God in life, a trust in God in life. I can remember my, my mom growing up, she had these boxes of memory verses. And every day she would just review verse after verse after verse. Simple. Not something that, is in t- that you would think is training your kids. I saw it. I saw it. I know she loved God. And I remember waking up every morning and and in our our blue vinyl chair that was out in the family room, dad was already gone to work, but there was these two dimples in the chair and that's where dad's elbows were from when he was kneeling and praying for me that morning in the family. And I saw it. And moms and dads, your kids see whether or not you're, you're, you're practicing disciplines, whether you're praying, whether you're in the word, whether you're loving church, whether you're loving ministry and service, whether this is real or not, because someday they're going to ask that question. Is mom and dad's faith real? Should I make it mine? Make sure they know it's real for you, because it is real. And so verses 4 to 6, God starts by challenging us as parents, where is our heart? And then in 7 through 9, we go to... um, go to the home and go because everything flows out of our relationship with God. And, and so then that flows to the home. And so the point number two, at every opportunity, diligently teach your family to love God. At every opportunity, diligently teach your family to love God. You, you shall teach them diligently to your children in verse seven and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So number one was make sure our heart, our heart is right, and that was in the center of the home. And then number two, you can barely see it, is the, it flows out to the rest of the home. But a couple things I, I want to mention about those verses. Verse 7, first two words. See what they say? And, and moms, dads, I'd underline these. You shall. Catch that? You shall. Moms and dads, we affirm that Raising your kids to walk with God is your primary responsibility. It's, it's, it's a job that you can do best. It's your primary role over what the church's responsibility is, over what a Christian school's responsibility is, over what a wanna is. Your job, your responsibility is to raise your kids to walk with God. Now, are those other things good? Absolutely. But I view it as we as village, as a church, we are coming alongside to partner with you. 
I never want to replace you. The only time I want to do that is when uh, a child doesn't have Christian parents and then we become surrogate parents for them. But in, in the church, the ideal is mom and dad love God and the church can come alongside and partner with them and provide resources Provide people that are discipling your kids. I want people to disciple my kids. I want them to hear a third party that they're like, oh, that's what mom and dad said. Because sometimes a third party can be like, what? It's this new revelation. I've been saying that for years. That's how we work as a church. But it's my responsibility to, to make sure I'm doing this. You shall teach them. That is so important. Now, now this doesn't mean that we go it alone. It doesn't mean I'm the only one that's responsible for teaching my kids. That's pride. That's thinking that I'm the only one that can have anything to to offer them. But I have the primary role. You know, there's reasons why we abdicate that, right? There's reasons why we give it up. One is sometimes we feel inadequate. I don't know if I can teach them. So I'm I'm going to let Christian school. I'm going to send them to Christian school because that will solve everything. No, no, it's still my responsibility. So mom and dads, we affirm that. Sometimes we give it up because we just are too busy. And I'm challenged by that because life is busy and my life is busy. But am I too busy to take my responsibility of caring for the soul of those three souls of those three children God has entrusted me with? We make time for what we want to. And if I really believe my kids' souls deserve to walk with God, I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to invest in them. Moms and dads, that has to be a priority. Donald Whitney, in his book on family worship, and we're not going to talk about family worship today. We're going to talk about that on Father's Day. He says, moreover, it is unlikely that exposure to the church once or twice a week will impress your children enough with the greatness and glory of God that they will want to pursue him once they leave your home. It's you and I that do that. It's when we hear about someone coming to Christ and we pause and say, kids, there's a party happening in heaven right now because someone came to Christ. This is amazing. This is awesome. And they're like, oh, it's really good that people come to Christ. It's when we see things that reflect the grandeur of God that, that they see in us a true faith and love for God. At every opportunity, diligently teach your family to love God. Now I know, I know that the, the next question is, okay, how do I do that? I'm not a teacher I'm not, I haven't gone to seminary. Pastor Ron, you have an advantage because you have all this this background. Actually, sometimes seminary is not an advantage for talking to kids. Just saying. I I talk to my kids sometimes and they're like, and Susie's like, use smaller words. (laughs) And and so sometimes, yeah, never mind. No, (laughs) and and so it's, it's challenging. But here's the deal. The text goes on to say how to do it. And it's something anyone can do. This is so awesome. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Okay, that's the scary part. It's our responsibility. We're teaching them. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So how am I going to do this? He answers it. 
the first thing he says, talk about God. Talk about God all the time. Did you catch that? It's that simple. You don't have to have a degree to do it. Start to talk about God in every part of life. So I say talk about loving God all the time in everyday life. And he gives some some ideas. He starts with when you sit in your house. How many of you sit in your house sometimes? How many of you did that today already? We, we, We do this. This isn't rocket science. This isn't hard. When I'm sitting on the couch with my kids, can I talk about God? And it doesn't have to be, oh, kids, let, let's all gather around. We're going to talk about God. Now, sometimes that's appropriate, and we're going to talk about family worship. But sometimes it's just something comes on TV, and yesterday we're watching, and, and something comes on, and, and, and someone said a word that they shouldn't have used, and all the kids look at me. I'm like, you know why we don't use that word? Because that's not pleasing to God. That, that's disrespectful to God. And so this is what we do when we hear that. That's all that we talked about. But that's talking about God when you're sitting down. Just in everyday life. Do they hear Susie and I talking about God? Do they hear us getting excited about ministry? Talk about God. Talk of his commands when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. Now most of us don't walk to work and most of, us, most of you didn't walk here this morning. A few of you did, but think in terms of what about in the car? What about in the car? Moms, you drive your kids around a lot, right? Especially if they're not driving yet. Now, when they're driving, that's a whole different stage. But you're driving your kids around. You know what that is? A captive audience. You have an opportunity in that car to talk about God, to to talk about what he's doing, to, to ask them questions. Don't give that up. Now, yeah, there's times that that we we let them entertain themselves with all kinds of things, but don't don't neglect windshield time. I think, Terry, you coined that word. Don't neglect that. And it's hard sometimes. I take my kids to school now in the morning, and sometimes they're still half asleep, maybe more than sometimes. And and, and I'm like, so what are you doing today? And I'm learning how to ask better questions. I'm learning how to ask questions they can't just answer with one word. And so sometimes I'll see them and I'll say, so what is the the scariest thing you have today? My kids are little and so they they get that and sometimes it's a test. And um, So what's the thing you're looking forward to most today? And and after we get past PE, we can talk about some other things. And, and so just trying to find ways to engage them and then bring biblical values in that, into that discussion. It's challenging, but it's not rocket science. I know I keep saying that. You can do this. We can build homes that love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength by making sure our heart is loving God, but then by being intentional with what we're doing with our kids. So he says, when you're sitting down, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, most of you as a family have some time where you sleep and some time where you get up. And I know this is, this is obvious stuff. Take advantage of times when they go to bed, your family goes to bed. Take advantage when they get up. One of the things I often say is how I say goodbye and how I say hello are some of the most important parts of my day with my kids. And so I never want to walk out of that house without saying goodbye to them and that I love them and give them a hug. 
and maybe a word for the day. Sometimes I'll stop and pray with them. Before I send them out of the car at school, we stop and pray. And I say, God, help them to love God by honoring their teacher. Help them to love God by doing their best. Help them to love others. Send them on their way. How we say goodbye and then how we say hello. Moms, dads, if you've been away from your kids, those first five minutes are critical. Don't waste those by obsessing about your day. Give those to your kids. Be part of their lives. Bedtime. I'm finding that um, as my kids get older, that's a critical time. And some of you with older kids have, have told me that a lot. It's a critical time. Sometimes one of my kids will say, hey, Dad, can, can you just come lay next to me so we can talk for a minute? And, and I've got to say, sometimes every ounce of my body says, I'm so tired, I want to do this. It's not really that important. If they say they want to talk, this is investing in them in daily life. I go up and we talk and Susie does the same thing. I think they like her a little better. She helps calm them down from their day at that point. But they share things during that time that they don't share any other time. At every opportunity, diligently teach your family to love God. I put on your notes several habits that help teach a family to love God. Some of these are from the elders, from the pastors. Um, these are just things that we should be doing. And, and I, don't, I don't give this list to, to badger any of us, to say, oh man, look at the five things I'm not doing. I'm not consistent in all these things. I wish I was. And so, so even, even making this list, a couple of them are like, I haven't done that in, in, in a while. But it's good to have that checklist, those reminders. The eight things, eight habits that help pass on your faith to your kids. Talk about how God is work around, at work around you and be thankful. I call these God sightings. We've got to get better at this. I don't think we're very good at it sometimes. But noticing things that happen around us and say, hey, I bet God was at work there. Or, or shouldn't we be thankful to God for that? Incorporating how we talk about God into everyday language. Number two, asking a simple question. This is a great tool of anything we do as a family. How does this love God and love others? How does this love God and love others? Jesus said all of the commands hang on those two. And so we, that's a great question to say, okay, you, you want to do this. Okay, how does that love God? And, and my kids are getting used to this, and so sometimes they'll come up with some crazy ways that video games love God. I'm like, no, actually, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> And how does this love others? And so that's a simple tool you can use to intentionally apply biblical values to everyday decisions. Kids get that question. And you're teaching spiritual discernment. You know, maybe you ask, what does God want us to do here? And you're showing them that, that a walk with God is just part of life. We're teaching a biblical worldview. Three, pray together as a family beyond meals. Don't waste the meal prayer, but do more. Find a time to pray together, even if you have little ones, even if you have a one-year-old. Pray with them. They're not going to pray, but they're hearing you pray. They're listening. 
as your kids get older, you can have them pray more. And this is just a, a wonderful spiritual discipline as a family. But also make prayer just part of life too. And that's sort of my theme today is make this part of life. Something happens. Let's pray about that. You know, you, you, you see some, sometimes, you know, we'll see a homeless guy on the, on the street on the way to school. Let's pray for him. You know, he needs Jesus. Let's pray for him. Prayer requests come through on Facebook for church. And, and sometimes we do that. One of our traditions is that meals or, or when, when the next time we pray together, we'll bring up some of the prayer requests that you guys have shared. Not the private ones, but the ones on Facebook that you've shared with the body. Let's pray about that. One of the elders mentioned that they, they often pray with their kids the idea of how can they love God and how can they love others. And that's just part of their prayer. Four, be in the Word together. And again, this isn't new, but make time for it. That could be reading, that could be listening, could be memorizing. A godly family studies the Word together. It's how you see the will of God. That's how you get to know God. Don't let the fear of not knowing what something means stop you from reading God's word as a family. And, and I, I know I've talked with parents and we, we've worked through this and sometimes like, well, what if they ask me a question about that that I don't know? The Bible's hard to understand sometimes. It's okay to say you don't know. Say, hey, let's find out. Let's look up in a commentary or let's ask Pastor Ron or somebody and see what we can figure out. But be in the Word together. Number five, family worship devotions. And I want to devote most of the Father's Day to talk about how to do family worship in a family, what that can look like, give you some really practical tools for that. So that's all you get today on that one. Six, find ways to use your time, money, and talents for the glory of God. In, in one of the elder plans in, in years past for, for what a, a godly family looks like, one of the points was a godly family does what Christ wants them to do. They use their time, money, and talents for the glory of God. This, moms and dads, make this fun. Make it a project. Hey, how, how can we use some money for God this week? Or how can we use our time for God this week? Let the kids come up with some of the projects. You know, do some, some secret grocery trips for people or secret flowers or notes of encouragement. Do some things that use your talents for God. Number seven, serve God's church joyfully. Serve God's church joyfully. If we're to pass on our faith, our kids need to see that we love serving God. And that means serving his people. Along with that, I encourage them not only to let, not only that your kids see you serving somewhere, but find a way to serve together. Find something. And, and some of you brought your kids to church work days. That is awesome. I, I don't care if we're, we're having to teach a four-year-old how to use a hammer. Well, okay, they don't get the hammers. But even if it's slower, you're serving together, and that is passing on your faith. That is teaching when you sit when you stand at every moment of the day. Second harvest this week is a great way to serve together. Something we've done since our kids were very little. And they hand out things, they carry things. Sometimes they just stand next and help. But 
Moms and dads, if you're not coming to Second Harvest because your kids are, are little, you're missing out. Because that's the perfect time to come and train them that life is more than just about me. Come and serve together. All kinds of other options for that, opportunities for that. Number eight, to discipline in truth and love. Discipline in truth and love. How we discipline and if we discipline, teach our kids a lot about God. If we don't discipline, then we're not teaching them truth and that God is holy. If we discipline harshly, then we're teaching them a false view of God that will probably drive them away from God someday. But if we have a a balance in its heart of truth and love, of confronting sin, but still showing that there's a path to repentance and a path to restoration, that's part of helping them know who God is. Eight different habits. Eight different tools you can put in your toolbox, moms and dads, for how to pass on your faith to your kids. So A, of how we do this, we talk about God all the time, every chance we get. B, we do everything through the lens of loving God. Do everything through the lens of loving God. Verses 8 and 9. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The idea here is he's saying you you put them on a sign in your hand because your hands do things. So whatever you do, how is this loving God? In your forehead, the idea is to, to put them on your forehead as frontlets on your forehead that, that affects my vision. Everything I see is through the lens of how does this love God? I, I have a picture of how they do this today. Don, if you can put that next picture up, that one. And these are called phylacteries, and this is at the Western Wall. And, and they, they took this command very seriously. And so you see the leather on, on his left hand there that goes up the arm? On that is written the law. And so they said, okay, he says to, to put this on your hand. And so they bind that up and they put that out in front of them so they can see it. And do you see the box on his head there? Little box? Inside that are written the Ten Commandments usually. Sometimes more of the law, but at least the Ten Commandments. And you see that. It's like this, and they see that in everything they do. Now, this isn't what God was saying in the command, but it's helpful for us to, to, to picture how they're interpreting it. It's a lens through which we gauge everything. And what I mean by that is everything I do, does this love God? How is this loving God? Everything I see is what I'm seeing bringing glory to God. Or is what I'm seeing really probably not what I should be seeing? Is my perspective of people glorifying to God? Am I seeing them as not mere mortals, but as people that need Jesus and need an ambassador to tell them about who Christ is? The idea of this, to put them on a sign on your hand and frontlets between your eyes on the doorpost. And that's a, they, they have little mezuzahs. It's these little boxes they put on their doorpost again with the Ten Commandments in it. But for us, it's, it's, it's symbolic of, of saying when I go in and out of my house, when, it, when I'm seeing anything, when I'm doing anything, am I asking the question, does this love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because really, if we ask that on everything we do, that pretty much solves this. This is about being intentional, about doing something that intentionally says, I will raise my kids to walk with God. Straightforward passage. 
Number one, start by passionately loving God ourselves. Number two, intentionally passing on my faith, training my kids by talking about God, by making his commands the lens by which I filter anything through. I'd like to end by reading this passage together one more time as a way of commitment to God. I'd like us to stand. And Don, I think I have slides for that on the screen. Your families are worth it, guys. Raising your kids to love God is, is worth not getting to do all the fun things, not getting to buy all the fun things. It's worth the sacrifice because their souls are eternal. Let's read this together. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second half, teach your kids to do the same thing. We can do this, guys. We can do this. Let's go disciple our kids. Let me pray. Lord God, pray for families here, moms and dads. Lord, I, I pray that you would equip us and motivate us to teach our kids to love you. Lord, I, I pray for our moms who are so often on the front line of this, that are in the daily activities with our kids and the ones that are often sitting down with them on the couch and driving them with, in the, in, with them in the car and teaching them, Lord. I pray that you would give them the strength to persevere even in difficulty, the strength to do this. I pray for the dads that you'd give them the strength to lead, to say this needs to happen in our home and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to teach our family to love God. Lord, may we be a family of families that are sold out, radically committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen.